and welcome to the Beyond the Hair podcast, featuring the best motivational speakers, women just like you. I'm your host, Lisa Moscatelli, the curly girl behind at Curly and Fab. If you need a jolt of energy to remind you what you're capable of, listen to these stories of resilient, driven, and inspirational women from the corporate and entrepreneurial world. So start your workout, grab a coffee, clean your house, or head out for a walk with us while we take you on a journey of ups, downs, and ultimately to a place of, yeah, I can do that too. So I have the pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Christy from the Curly Love Club. You might recognize her from her beautifully curated yet very real Instagram page. She is relatively new to the curly hair community, creating her account in 2020, and she's a compelling voice on body positivity, self-love, equality for women, and acceptance. And why I think Christy is great for the show is that there's just something about her that says, you are welcome here. In fact, when I was doing my research for this interview, I realized that right below her tagline, it says, your new internet BFF, big sis or mom. And that feels like it couldn't be more true. There's something about you that just makes people want to be around you. And I think you've done such an excellent job of creating a safe space. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Christy, and to learn a little bit more about you and about how to embrace a self-love journey and what's in store for the future of the Curly Love Club. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. Honestly, though, people were really asking for for you to be on the show, and I was happy to oblige because that I know, Canadian I'm love. I'm so <laughs> shocked. I was I was really surprised when you sent me that. To be honest, but yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I I, I kind of get it. I mean. People just want to hang out with you. Like even I remember not too long ago, you had a like a drinks day with show Shosh. And that went for like hours. Like people, I was jumping in and out, in and out. And like <laughs> you guys had a lot of people there. And I was like, yeah, we had I a get lot it. of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, love it. Yeah. It was one of those things where you just feel like part of the gang. And I was like, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, I think that it's been really, you know, maybe the perfect time to have an online community Mm -hmm. because everybody's trapped at home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, something that I probably would have never done um, in the past was sit at home and drink in my bathroom live on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow that's become socially acceptable. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that went on for several hours. We didn't even realize actually how long we were in there, but a bottle of Prosecco will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all I know is that I was like, this is really cool. I want to hang out with these people. I feel like I know these people. And uh, it was just, it was a welcoming experience. And it was just like one of those girls nights. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So, okay. I know we just kind of jumped in there, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anybody who may not know you and are new to the podcast? Yeah, for sure. Um, My name's Christy. I'm the content creator behind Curly Love Club. I'm a Nova Scotian transplanted on the West Coast. I'm now living in Vancouver Island. I'm Mm. 30 years old. I'm a mama of one. I'm happily married. And I have two fur babies, two dogs. What are their names? Timber and Hazel. Oh, love. Yeah. They're sitting right beside me right now. Hanging oh, out. Being good. So quiet. Yeah. Right now they're asleep. I don't know if you can see them. Yeah. One. Yeah. Oh, they're big bad. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. No one's breaking in. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. Can you talk to us a little bit about your page in general? Absolutely. Um, so it kind of started on a whim. Uh, I've been wearing my hair curly for the past couple of years now, and um, I had a profile picture on Facebook, actually, where my hair was curly, and I got a random message from a stranger who's now become a friend saying, hey, can you please explain to me how you get your hair like that? I have naturally curly hair. It's your natural hair. And we kind of had a conversation back and forth where I sort of outline to her what I did with my hair. And it kind of, we just kind of went back and forth for a couple weeks. And she's like, you know, I, I'd really love a video if you could show me. 
I was like, yeah, you know, I could probably do that. But she actually lives in the Northwest Territories and they have limited um, bandwidth for like what they're able to do, um, like for screen time, uh, like FaceTime or YouTube or whatever. There's like a certain data amount, I guess. So I was like, you know, as I was thinking about maybe I could like make an Instagram and then if I put some little videos on there, you could watch them and rewatch them if you need to check it out. She's mm-hmm. like, okay. Um, and then I did and we kind of carried on like that and then it just sort of accumulated and accumulated and I posted more and it just exponentially grew, which was really surprising to me. But yeah, I never went into it thinking that I was going to be creating some kind of cult following or, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't going into it with those sort of intentions, it was more or less, how can I help my friend do her hair? Mm-hmm. And now her hair is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, learning from the best. Yeah. Uh, were you following anybody before that? Were you aware of this curly hair community before you started your own page? No, not really, actually. Um, I saw a couple on YouTube, <laughs> but um Nothing really, I I hadn't really dived into the Instagram curly community. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to join a couple of the Facebook groups and they were savage. Right? They were just mean. And honestly, I I feel like my motto to everything in life is I never really take anything too seriously. And Mm -hmm. I feel like being too intense with your hair like reading and like obviously there's time and a place and for some people it works really well but it just wasn't for me and then you know having people be banned from the Facebook groups because they use a different shampoo and stuff I just yeah. thought, it was, I thought it was kind of ridiculous so I left them because I I was like mm, this doesn't really align with me and mm-hmm. yeah pretty much just stuck to Instagram for that reason because everybody's so nice yeah and that's one of the questions that I always get asked, like, oh, well, how do you deal with the haters? And I was like, what haters? Like, the Instagram community is the nicest community. Like, they, I haven't, I I have had more, I, I'm going to put this in quotes, like, hate, and I never used that word. Like, I, I tried to, like, I just, to me, like, haters don't really exist unless you let them exist. So I'm just like, eh, like, I kind of let it roll off my back. But yeah, I would agree with you 100% that there's way more hate in a Facebook group than there is on this Instagram, in this Instagram yeah, world. I've definitely had a couple of people on Instagram, but I I don't really pay too much attention to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think that, you know, what you're saying reflects a lot more on you yes. <laughs> than who you're saying it to. Yeah. So I just kind of bless them and walk away. Yes, <laughs> it's not, exactly. It's not my job to spend my spare time teaching you how to be nicer. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and I often think that like, if somebody is projecting that out, I'm like, what, what's going on in your life right now? Like, are you okay? Totally. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's kind of my standpoint on it too. And yeah, it's just not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understood. And are you, so you're not on any other sh- social or Oh, I secured the handles because I was like, I don't want someone to take my username. So I have a Twitter, which I use to make memes and, <laughs> um, and I'm on TikTok, but I'm not super active on either one of those, okay. mainly Instagram. I just find it way too hard to manage too many social platforms. Like if this was my job, maybe I would be able to, but it's mm-hmm. pretty hard to stay on top of Instagram singularly, let alone yeah. having multiple things. So yeah. And I, I feel like I have a relationship with my community. Like I don't like to use the term followers because it that sounds yeah. so weird and narcissistic, mm-hmm. but I've made a lot of friends on there and I feel like, you know, if I don't get the opportunity to write them back if they send me a DM or, you know, someone's taking the time another day to comment or like give me a compliment. I want to be able to have that relationship with them. And I feel like if I just spread myself too thin, then you're just coming off as not very genuine and that you mm-hmm. don't really, like, obviously, you know, not everybody can keep up with every comment, but I try. Yeah. 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 No, I totally, I totally hear that. And I mean, there are times where I'm like, 
you're up. Well, I'm up anyways, I'm feeding my kid, but I'm, I'm up and I'm, I'm answering comments and I'm like, I should really probably be focusing on my kid right now, but you just want to make sure that you're, um, you're showing your appreciation to somebody who has really? taken out the time for, for you. Absolutely. Um, so, so no YouTube. No, I don't have a YouTube. I've thought about it, but mm-hmm. I just, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of work to, you know, edit the videos and get the sound and have all the things like, I don't want to, can we say ass on your podcast? Yeah, I don't want to half ass anything. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I know for me, if I was going to start uh, a YouTube, I would probably be a little bit too intense. And like, I just don't have the capacity. Got it. Because. Yeah. One of the things that I absolutely love about your page is your edited videos. Like you have, oh, I'm kind of like, Christy kind of Mr. Calling, I think. <laughs> I, if anybody listening wants to hire me for marketing, I'll quit. But you got to match my salary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's, it's like something that I really enjoy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. Like I don't love yeah. editing. Um but when I see your stuff, I'm like, wow, like there is some serious talent here that I, I feel has been amiss. Like, did you take any courses or anything along those lines? Or is this just something that you have um, an eye for? I took a multimedia class in university mm-hmm. just as like an elective. And honestly, <laughs> it was at that point where I was like, this is something I love. Mm. Um, but I took science and my job was science-based and I was like, this is fun and I can, you know, do this kind of stuff for, for my hobby. And, um, I've been making like little life videos and stuff. I always make like a year in review kind of thing. Or if I go on a vacation, I like making little movies and my Facebook friends and family, like I just have a small group on there. I get to see like that kind of stuff, but I didn't, I didn't really go and pursue it too, too hard, but yeah. So this kind of gives me that little creative outlet to do the things that I like and mm-hmm. on a topic that I enjoy with people that I enjoy. So it's yeah. kind of win, win, win. So you don't have the YouTube, so you're not taking advantage of the monetization there. Are you doing anything for monetizing on Instagram? Yeah. Um, the odd time. And I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this too. I get inundated with emails or DMs from brands. And in the beginning, um, my experience was that I had brands offer to gift me products. And at the beginning when I, I mean, it was like a handful of people. I was like, Oh my gosh, free stuff. Heck yeah. I was super excited. Um, but that like, eventually you get too much stuff. And it's also Mm -hmm. something that I couldn't keep up with, Mm -hmm. like creating content in exchange for product. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're basically doing an advertisement for somebody for free (laughs) (laughs) with your time. So yeah, I stopped doing that. And also just for tax purposes for like declaring, like you can't be obtaining all of this free product and then putting out a service for that. So yeah, I get, I get quite a few, um, offers. I don't really accept very many though. And I think that that's something that, you know, I have a full-time job. It affords me that flexibility of, I actually don't really want to take this on because I can't commit to the deliverables or I don't actually a hundred percent buy into your product or brand or, I've tried it, but I don't love it. So I have worked with um, quite a few brands on products that I do use and love. And I don't have anything too regular, but it it keeps the pressure off for me. Um, I'd love to do it a little bit more, but at the same time, too, I don't need to. And I also don't want to inundate people with ads. Yeah. And I think that adds to the authenticity of your page, right? Like you can mm-hmm. totally tell when someone is like trying to sell you something every single time and it's become so annoying. <laughs> I agree. And I also feel like too, like I recently had this discussion where um, the contract offer to me was, you know, exclusively work with our brand for six months and, you know, it's a certain dollar value for the products. And I have, when I look at my community and like, I really love the numbers. I love looking at like the statistics and where people are from and just from an accessibility standpoint. 
you know, I've got some girls who are in high school and I've got people that are in retirement and there's a huge spectrum there that I don't feel comfortable only partnering with one brand where uh, the shampoo is $45 and have people, you know, I don't want to contribute in any way to that toxic marketing scheme of Mm -hmm. you have to have this to have X, Y, Z, happiness, beauty, whatever, you know? So I try my best to do more with more with how you can actually style your hair than products per se. Cause you and I both know it is a lot more about technique. Yeah. Product good products are great, but you know, I I don't think it's realistic that everybody can buy a thirty dollar shampoo and conditioner and, you know, a million other products and then think that that's the only way that they can have beautiful results. Yeah, they help, absolutely. But they're not the only thing. So yeah, I feel for me, like partnering with brands, I try to be pretty intentional with having a good mix where it's not just, you know, top shelf salon brand. Like there's things that I've done that are from the gro- the grocery store. Yeah. No, I think that's a very, very, very good point. And I, I think it's pretty ruthless for someone to say you can only work with us for six months. Like I changed my my shampoo more often than that before I had, you know, multiple shampoos in my, my closet, I guess I would say. Um, but on top of that too, you, you touched on, you just have too much stuff. When someone shows their shelf of all of their products, a part of my heart breaks because there's people who need products. There's people who could benefit so much from those. And like a lot of these products are only good for six months, 12 months, whatever. When, like once they're open, they expire. So I yeah. loved what you did when you had, you had a giveaway of like open product. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I was like, thank you. Like, I like I'm getting goosebumps, but like, I was like, <laughs> yes, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I yeah. wish I did that before we moved because my stuff was, I, I dropped a ton of stuff off at a shelter, but you're mm-hmm. right. Like a lot of times when things are open, they won't take them. Luckily mine did, but yeah, I just, and I have ugh. I have done it before where they will accept them. I think like I tried with these ones as well, but it was just I think due to COVID reasons, anything that was like a body product or that was already touched, they were just trying to limit that. So, yeah, and then another good one is um like buy nothing groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Those ones are pretty good cuz there's people that are looking for certain stuff and they'll accept it. But yeah, I I also agree with you. It's just it's too much waste and like the worst part is I wish that every brand offered samples first, like sample size, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're committing to a whole bottle and I don't need a whole bottle <laughs> of some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I, even when you get to it and you're like, oh, I really don't like the smell. Mm-hmm. So totally. Like I love that. Like I, I, I liked where this, this kind yeah. of went off into, but okay. So you've got this hair page and I think that's what it is uh, in its essence but it is morphing into something something very beautiful actually so can you talk to me um, a little bit about some of the deviations that you've been taking from hair on your page for sure I think that you know I always had sort of well not always but my earliest memory of having a bad relationship with my hair I think I was I must have been like five and I was getting a perm, <laughs> which seems hilarious because my hair is really curly, but my mom had straight hair and she was just looking to figure out some way to get a little bit more control over my hair. Um, and I will say like my mom was always really positive. She would say like, oh, people would pay millions of dollars for your hair. But I mean, when your mom has straight, silky, beautiful hair, and you don't know how to do your hair, um, there's something lost there, right? Like, I think for me, like speaking for myself anyways, you know, as you're growing up, your mom is your picture of beauty. And I didn't look anything like my mom. I had a different skin tone. I had different hair. I had a different body shape. And, you know, the hair thing was like, really, I think probably like one of the first things I was like, oh, I don't really like this about myself because I have to fix it or I have to do something about it. And I know that 
you know, I, I think you and I both over the last year have done a lot of deep diving into where those emotions and sort of stereotypes come from without going too deep into that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was something that uh, I can remember being one of the first things that I was a little bit insecure about. And then I never really learned how to do my hair. And then, you know, we kind of go across a couple more years. And that was when the like dead straight, you know, like iron board Mm -hmm. hair was in and I got a hair straightener and I did that for a long time. And then, oh gosh, the next strike was I started going gray at 16 Mm-hmm. So then I was dyeing my hair and straightening it and it was very unhealthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> very unhealthy, but I didn't know what to do. Um, and so, you know, hair wise, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I just had like, I was like, my hair is literally breaking off. Like I could hold the ends and just snap off a piece. And that was like, yeah. almost, it was almost like an anxiety thing where I'd sit there and just like snap off my broken ends. And I was like, okay, we're done. So I cut my hair super short and I put my hair straightener in the bottom of our linen closet and I was like, I'm done. And I really did not love how that looked. Like it looked to me at the time, I hated it. And I felt super, not ugly, but super unattractive Mm -hmm. with, it wasn't the look that I wanted. Like my hair, I think was like two inches long in the back. It wasn't something that was for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, then I was like, okay, I'm embracing the fact that I have gray hair. Like that is what it is. And I also embracing the fact that my hair is textured and curly. It is what it is. And I just started doing other things that, you know, meant something to me. And so my hair grew out, grew out curly, grew out nice, learned how to do it. That was great. But then I got pregnant and then I found out I was having a daughter and I had a lot of soul searching to do about the kind of mom I want to be mm-hmm. and the kind of example that I want to show to her. And this is in no way a stab at my own mom because I feel like she did a great job with the tools that she had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I was raised in sort of a toxic beauty phase where it was like the anorexia skinny I'm sure I watched my mom do like every Weight Watchers diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I was always bigger than her, even though when she got married, she was tinier. So mm-hmm. that was something that like, you know, t- on TV shows, you see girls that are like portrayed as the fat girl and they're smaller than you. And I like, I exist in a very average body. Like, I think I'm like, literally average height, average size. So for mm-hmm. me to have these feelings, I don't even exist in a bigger body. And, you know, I just had like a lot of toxic things. So I was just doing a ton of soul searching on like what kind of mom and person I want to be. And curly hair was sort of my first thing about myself. And I'm like, okay, I'm accepting this about me and I don't want to change it. It's something I want to celebrate. And as, you know, time has gone on, you know, people joined the community that I had uh, curated over the last year. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be this toxic example (laughs) to these people too, Mm -hmm. where like they think my hair looks perfect all the time. And Mm -hmm. I have these, you know, great wash days and I wear my hair in a bonnet every night to keep it safe. And I wake up looking perfect and like life just isn't like that. So I was like, I had kind of like come for full circle to myself where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be contributing in a negative way, like embracing my natural curly hair and, you know, lifestyle. I don't want people to only see the highlight reel. And I really want to sort of not to go all Shrek, but like peel back the layers of the onion where I was like, okay, I don't actually look like this all the time. It's unrealistic to think that you look like this all the time. I didn't really care when there is only, you know, a hundred people following me, but now that there's a substantial number, I do not want a single one of those people, mainly women, because it's 99% women. I don't want a single woman or man, if they choose to be here, to wake up and think that they have to look like 
a 30 second reel where I spent an hour doing my hair and makeup and, you know, I'm all glitzy mm-hmm. and glamoury. So yeah, I think that was just kind of where, you know, it's sort of been a slow shift. Also the last year was a freaking grind and a lot of people were at home learning how to do the curly hair. And now we're rolling into year two of a pandemic where people are exhausted. People have lost their jobs. People are tired of their kids or maybe, you know, having to do things differently than they normally would, not having family support, what have you. And I just thought, you know what, this year, like we know how to do our hair. And this year we just need to give ourselves a pat on the back for existing. And I don't want to contribute toxically to what people are seeing on their phones or computer. Mm -hmm. Sorry for this is like huge ramble. (laughs) No, I, you've touched on so many things. And each time I I put myself on mute on purpose because there's so many times I would be like, Oh yeah. And and what in this, and, and you've touched on so many things that I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. And this is why people like you. This is why people like have come towards you because everyone's exhausted. I cannot look like a hundred percent all the time. I I haven't worn pants. I haven't worn pants. Full disclosure, full disclosure, mine are unbuttoned right now. Yeah. (laughs) I hear that. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just been, it's been such a crazy year, but I do want to unpack a few things that you did touch on. So you mentioned like you cut off all your hair, you've got two inches in the back. Like this is something that you were like, enough is enough. Like I, I need to embrace myself. So I want, I want to put that in one corner. And then the second piece is, um, talking about your mom, because my first thought was, Oh, was it your mom who might've instilled that? Where did that confidence come from that you were just like, no, I'm stripping this down to, to me, to me and who I truly am. Where, where did that come from? And, and how might somebody else find that? Well, I went to therapy. <laughs> yeah. And usually starts like that. Honestly, everyone I've spoken to so far has been like, yeah, I went to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, think, continue. No, it's so true. I think that therapy, you know, is we take care of everything else in our life. We eat healthy, we exercise, we, you know, do all these things for our well being, but you got to take care of your upstairs too. And, um, Yeah, I think that it was just something I used to be such a big people pleaser. And in some ways I still am, but it was almost to a fault before where I would put my own feelings on hold or I would just kind of go along with something just to like not upset someone else. And it just got to a point where I was just exhausted with doing that and I didn't really know. I didn't really know that about myself until I started going to therapy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my psychologist was great. She's like, you know, this is, this is very normal. (laughs) There's so many people that are like this, but eventually you're going to burn out because you're burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I probably am. (laughs) And so that was kind of where I was like, you know what? I had some friends and I'll say friends with air quotes. Mm. that were like, you know, not bad people, but not like the people that you need to have in your corner. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was just spreading myself too thin with a ton of acquaintances that weren't really, really there for me. And I was more there for them than they were for me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just kind of, I really like simplified life and friendships and my expectations of people and how much I was willing to give. It's, you know, it's reciprocal for things. Like I'm willing to go above and beyond if it's a two-way street, but not if it's always going to be me exhausting myself to keep someone else's emotional well-being okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, therapy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I don't think that people, I don't think we use it enough. And I, I love what you said about, you know, we take care of our bodies and our physical health. And um, I, I often think about how many people are taking care of their mental health. Everybody is the first person to say, you know, mental health is, is um, 
we're in a crisis right now and everyone's mental health is um, at risk and in jeopardy, but who's working on their mental health? Like who's is in an active phase. You can give yourself all the grace in the world, but if you're not working at it, if you're not meditating, if you're not, if you're not putting that effort into the mental health to make it better, to go to therapy, to like fix some of the issues that you might be having, like you're, you're not going to get better. No. And it's like anything, right. It takes practice. There was, Mm. you know, uh, 25 years of stuff to unpack about why I felt certain ways or why I reacted in certain ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to take time, but practice. But yeah, that was, that was also kind of one of the reasons why I started my page as well was, uh, I, I knew about postpartum hair loss, but I didn't really know about postpartum hair loss. And, um, yeah, my hair was falling out real bad. (laughs) Like, yeah, like I had a bald spot and, you know, the whole nine yards and not that I would change anything. I would 100% do it again um, for the result. But I wasn't prepared and I was getting a ton of anxiety about showering. Mm. And I found it like very triggering to do my hair because every time you shower, as you know, it's yeah. like washing out by the handfuls. <laughs> and I actually, like, I don't know if you do this, but like take my hair and like stick it to the wall. Yes, I do that. And I was literally in the shower and I had stuck the hairs to the wall and I wrote the word fuck. Yeah. And my husband came in. He's like, what's going on? I was like, art. (laughs) And he's like, okay. I'm like, honestly, like this is so stressful. So in a way at the time too, it kind of forced me to be accountable because I'm like, okay, there's people in this community that are washing their hair. I'll wash my hair. I'll show my results. It means I'm showering. It was like a self-care tool too, to like have accountability. Mm -hmm. I I get probably the most comments when I start talking about postpartum hair loss. Like that's when people mm-hmm. start flocking to my like DMS. Like everybody wants to know what to do. And I'm with you. Like I knew about it. I was like, I could probably mitigate this. Like I eat well, I do this, whatever. It's probably not going to be too bad. Dude, it is bad. Like if I look at the pre detangle, cause I always like pre detangle to limit the amount that I'm finding in like my shower. Like mm-hmm. w- I, one time and I didn't film it. I should have, but I was like, I was actually like, Oh my God, I detangled, um, with my fingers. And then I, and then I brushed, then I took a shower and I put all my hair on the wall. And then I, um, because I do brush in the shower as well, mm-hmm. um, while I style. So, I, and then I cleaned out my brush afterwards. Like I had probably half a waste bin of hair and I was like, Oh Lord, like this is not good. That's like, and even now when I put my hands like around my hair, what I, I mean, when I was pregnant, it was so thick. Like there was no hair falling out of this, out of this mm-hmm. head. But now like, man, weekly vacuuming and like my, my ponytail is getting like thinner and thinner. Like I think it's slowing. I'm at least I'm telling myself that it's slowing, but yeah, it, it is like shocking. Yeah. It's alarming for sure. And especially when you're not used to it, like my hair now, well, that was why I got it. A lot of it cut because I have like whole chunks Mm -hmm. that are like, you know, like that was all gone. That was not even there. So like, you know, my hair was so like, it's finally recovering. Mm-hmm. But I've had to kind of keep it at this sort of mid-length to mm-hmm. match it up because my hair is two separate lengths right now from everything that fell out. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, am I going to have any hair left? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. hear that. I hear it and I appreciate it. And I think mm-hmm. that it's important to to warn everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this if, somebody has, if somebody has the magic cure for it not to happen, please let me know. But I mean, I eat mm-hmm. healthy. I did all the things. But ultimately, I think it's a hormone crash and your body went through a yeah. trauma. Bye. Yeah. All the hairs that should have left before are gone now. All at yeah. Once. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another thing, too, that I've been telling myself is like, Lisa, it's going to happen. Like, l- not lean into it, but like, let it happen. Like, let yeah. it go. Like, that's it. Like, it's just and I, I'm 
as much as it is shocking, I have found myself that I, I'm not anxious about it. I'm not, but I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I think it's important, you know, to talk about these things. And one of the things that, you know, I wish that had been talked to me a little bit more before I had my daughter. It was just knowing that it was going to happen. Cause like when it started happening, I found it really shocking. <laughs> Because yeah. I didn't realize the amount. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll get some of those new baby hairs on the side. It's like, no, your hair falls out all over, mm-hmm. all over. And it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do want to uh, unpack a, a few other things that has happened in your life this year because you've had some serious big life changes. You mentioned that you recently moved to BC for this new role. So congratulations on your new Thank home, you. on your new role. Um, I know it was a big deal for you and you were pretty vocal about advocating for yourself at work um, and for what you deserve. Can you talk to us a little bit about what happened in your previous role and then what made you do this jump uh, for a new position? Yeah, so um, basically I was slotted to go into this next role um, and I had kind of talked to my career manager about it when I was on my maternity leave and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active in making sure that I'm paying attention to where my career is going Cause it was, it was kind of weird and you can edit this however you see fit, but basically, um, I was told, so I had Canada had just put out the year before or a year before that, um, the 18 month maternity leave option, which I think is incredible because Mm -hmm. I wanted to breastfeed for the whole time and I wanted to be done that before I go back to work. Mm -hmm. So that was something that was really personally important to me. Um, and that was why I wanted to go as long as I could. Um, and then, you know, I was eventually going to have to switch positions anyway. And so I was talking with my career manager while I was on maternity leave. And basically (laughs) what was, um, said to me, which I've now learned is not the truth, but was that I would have to return from my maternity leave in order to even be considered for, this next role that I was looking at joining. And so I was like, okay. So I had some really long, hard talks with my partner and just myself. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's coming. I'll go back. So I stopped nursing. I went back to work and yeah, it was like four days after I started back at work that I realized that what was promised to me wasn't actually going to happen. And mm-hmm. I had an absolute mental breakdown. Yeah, And I don't really sway too much. Like, like we've talked about before, I'm kind of pretty happy-go-lucky most of the time. And I just like deep dove into depression about that and how I was deceived and Thankfully, my union really came through and backed me, but it shouldn't have even gotten to that point. It shouldn't have even, I shouldn't have even had to experience that period. Mm -hmm. And the worst part was learning later that like what was told to me was just completely incorrect. And I don't know if it was just due to like the person doing that job being new and not knowing or like, I don't think it was intentionally malicious, but it doesn't matter. It happened. And yeah, something I really hope doesn't happen to anyone because <laughs> yeah. I was that's pretty choked. Um, but yeah, I, everything is really good now. Um, I love where I'm at. I love my coworkers. I love my bosses. And, you know, my dad always said to me in life, there's three things you can do. You can change your circumstances. You can change your perspective or do nothing and suffer. And so Mm -hmm. I always pick number two. So I couldn't change the circumstance that I was in. However, I could change how I viewed it and what I took from that. And I'm I'm not just going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. (laughs) So did what I could do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It was 10 out of 10. Don't recommend. It was really, (sighs) it was a lot. (laughs) 
Um, absolutely. And it's, it's gotta be devastating that you changed your life to accommodate something and then not have that return. I, I feel for you and I'm sorry you went through that. What advice would you give to someone else who's feeling underappreciated at work or maybe something similar has happened to them? Um, you did talk about, you know, those three, um, circumstances, you probably shoot for number two, but is there any other advice that you might give somebody? Yeah. I mean, I guess it sort of depends on like what is disappointing you. I mean, this was something administrative. So I definitely would say like reach out to your HR or if you have a union in your job, um, talking to your partner, go to therapy. Um, but also something that I've had to do is just sort of like reframe for myself what success means. And so like, was I going to get that position that was promised to me that didn't work out. No, but maybe this next thing, the next door that opens is going to be the right one, or maybe it happened for a reason. And not, I hate saying that like everything happens for a reason, but Mm -hmm. nothing happens without a reason and everything that happens can change the result. So if I, like, I'm really happy now, if anything changed before, which I couldn't have, like, I couldn't have seen the future at the time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just think, you know, keep on trucking, keep doing your best and it'll get better. You just have to arrive there. Maybe the journey isn't like the best part, but you'll mm-hmm. get there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, okay. And so there's a few other things that have happened in your life over the last year. You, you spoke about, you had a little baby and mm-hmm. your new mama in during a pandemic. You actually put out one of the most touching videos that I've I've seen on social, Aww. and um, I love. I have it saved on my <laughs> on my phone. Um, <laughs> but you you talk about being a new mom during the pandemic. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about uh, that experience for you? It was so lonely. Um, I think you know, and maybe this is just me. I don't know if you felt this way, but like, I always envisioned having my child and being surrounded by friends, surrounded by family, sharing them with their grandparents and none of that happened. And so it was very isolating because my family lives in Nova Scotia and my extended family, um, on my husband's side lives in Ontario. So we're already, you know, multiple provinces away So there is that as an issue. And then also just missing out on all those fun mom things that I was looking Mm -hmm. forward to, like mom and Todd or going to the pool or, you know, going for walks with my other mom friends. Instead, it was me at home by myself with my daughter, which is totally great too. But, you know, anybody who's been at home with a child all day knows that you miss adult conversation. Mm -hmm. And my husband was still working full time and he would come home and, you know, he's had a tough day and he's like, oh, I want to go for a run for an hour. And I just remember like almost resenting him because I'm like, I just want to do something for an hour. I want you to hang out with me. And, you know, it was like something that I probably wouldn't have felt if it wasn't for being by myself all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that like Instagram for me was a really positive and why I felt safe to put that out there was because on those days where I was feeling really lonely, there was other people in other time zones and other countries and other places of the world that were also lonely too. Maybe not for motherhood reasons, but for COVID reasons or for, you know, any other reason that were there and those connections were built. And honestly, like, I don't think you know, my Instagram maybe would have even happened the way it has without the pandemic, just because it became the community that I was grieving not having in real life. Well, I mean, real, it is real life, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in person. And so, yeah, it was, it was one of those things. It was just such a, a blessing in disguise that it all kind of happened. Cause I remember, I remember the pandemic happening and I was thinking, Oh, it's like two weeks to slow the spread. And I was like, I didn't think that it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't think that it was like, okay, we're going to be trapped at home. We're all home. We're all still home. A year later, we're all still at home. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely very isolating, but I think a lot of people are really lonely. So in that case, I feel like it just sort of 
connected you with other people or connected me with other people knowing that I wasn't the only one. And Mm -hmm. I had read one of those Pinterest quotes somewhere. I don't know. It was like a mom page where like, you know, you're up in the middle of the night breastfeeding and somewhere else there's another mom doing it too. And I just thought about that. I'm like, oh man, if only we had like every woman who was doing that had like a beam of light that would just like shoot up into the sky. So you could like (laughs) see where everybody was doing that. Like, you know, I like, we're all going through things alone together. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense, but. No, yeah. absolutely. I think you and I actually even had a question where I was like suffering from pregnancy insomnia and you were up breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had a couple of conversations as yeah. well during that time, but. Um, we did. I think you, you touch on a really good point there. And um, I probably speak to people more uh, through on social that I have like with my, I don't want to say my real friends because on social, there are some real friends that I have made. Yeah, but, that's how I feel too. But yeah, I, and I, but I agree with you. It's been, um, it's definitely been a very different experience than I had anticipated. Um, some, some definite pros, but, uh, some definite cons as well. So it's been yeah, weird. It is weird. I'm ready for it to be over, but you know, BC's opening up. I know. I know. But it's so like, <laughs> I, f- I still low-key feel like scared. Yeah. Also, like I want to go home home and they're yeah. closed. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, okay, we're open, but can't yeah. do anything. But I will probably suffer from some social anxiety, like going back out. Like I'm very like, don't touch me. Don't come near me. Like I'm very. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyways. No, totally. I totally feel that way. Honestly, like <laughs> I feel kind of like bad saying this but in a way it's been really good for me because I am sort of a loner in the sense that like I like being alone but by choice Mm -hmm. so I liked having the excuse oh sorry can't do anything pandemic covid I don't have to go out I'm netflixing again and um yeah like I I have not missed that kind of stuff not at all um but I feel like I do miss like my family and hugs and getting together with girlfriends. But I feel like if nothing, it just made me reflect more on who I really want to spend my time with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of that resonates with me. I'm definitely a a lone wolf. Um, I think that comes from, and maybe this is a, I think we're on topic. I think it comes from the therapy that has been done about learning to love yourself. I like to be alone because I like me. Like I, me too. I don't get yeah. like the the scaries when I'm like, oh, it's just me by myself. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm rocking out tonight. It's just me by myself. But um, I agree with you that I want to do that by choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, I totally agree. Yeah, I like being alone. I don't feel like I have to fill my time by talking with people. Um, or doing things, I can quite easily just exist. And that's a nice place to arrive because I wasn't always there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a good, it's a good place to get to at a certain point. And if you're not there yet, if you're listening to this and you're not there, you will get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to that point too, I was not always there. So I, mm-hmm. I'm very happy that you brought it back to that. Um, okay. Let's also talk a little bit about, um, body changes after baby. So (laughs) you have had, um, a a body acceptance and that the body is just a little bit different. You know, we're, you might be the same weight, but, but it's different. And I, I definitely feel this, like, it's just different. Um, and recently you've talked about wearing the shorts and I, I love this. Um, talk to me a little bit more about where this has come from. Oh, geez. Well, I have always been apprehensive to wear shorts. I've got a birthmark on my leg. So I remember (laughs) I was a kid and some snotty nosed boy said I had poop on my leg. And like, I don't even know when this was, but it like, you know, it's stuck. But then, you know, I am ultra pale. And then when I got pregnant, I got some varicose veins and spider veins. And it just like, it was like all these things were tacking themselves onto my legs. And I sweat my buns off last summer and for like every summer before this one. And I just like, 
it was what it was coming back to that moment where I was like, I don't want my daughter to see me sweating to death in pants all summer for what? I have never, never in my life walked around and looked at somebody in shorts and thought, oh, what was she thinking wearing shorts? I've never thought that. So I was like, why do, why am I so self-important that I think that somebody is saying that about me? Literally Mm -hmm. nobody cares. So yeah, I just had that moment where I was like, literally no one is looking at you. You're not looking at anyone else. You're the one uncomfy. You're sweaty. Get it together. This is a you problem, not an anybody else problem. And -hmm. it's also just something that I don't want to talk. I want to like break these toxic chains of like, you can only wear a certain thing, like wear something that makes you comfy and no one's looking at you in that way. And you know, be, be comfortable. And so like, it was honestly just a challenge to myself. And I, I, through this, I've realized that a lot of people are uncomfortable with wearing shorts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because we all grew up through that phase or it was like, you couldn't even eat a saltine cracker without thinking like you're going to get fat, but mm-hmm. what's so bad with being fat? Nothing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just getting to that point where it's like, why is there so much value being put on the space that you occupy or how your skin looks or if you have veins or whatever, like everybody has all these things. But I think mm-hmm. the airbrush phase was in our youth as well. So that was like pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I do feel like brands are doing a better job at diversifying and showing, you know, untouched skin, but it was like hardcore anorexia Photoshop when I was a teenager and that was really tough. And I think that, like, I also didn't realize, and this seemed, like, I don't know if you had a vision board when you were growing up, but I totally Mm -hmm. did. And I had, like, clippings from magazines and stuff, and like, oh, this is my goal body, or this is this. And, like, I don't know why this happened, but I had, like, it dawned on me one day where I was like, I don't have the same skeleton as this person. I will never look like that. Like, even if I eat perfect and exercise perfect. I will never look like that because that's just not my skeleton and Mm -hmm. that's not how I was built. And so I think like realizing that, you know, you just got to capitalize on what you got and you will also go through many seasons in life where you expand and shrink and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's super normal. And yeah, you should not be sweating your buns off because you have veins in your legs. Everybody does. Just because you have cellulite, <laughs> everybody does. Like, yeah. 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 I, it's just, yeah, there's just been so many things where I thought about, like, how silly is this that we are so occupied by looking a certain way that we're willing to sacrifice comfort, which is just, I don't get it anymore. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, so I said to um, my husband yesterday, I said, I regret nothing about wearing shorts. I'm so comfortable. Even if I'm like uncomfy with how I look, I'm comfortable mm-hmm. in general. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you said about like the the fat piece. Like why is it such a big deal to be fat? Like and in I think one of the things that like one of the best things that I've heard I used to volunteer for an obesity. It's uh, the Canadian Obesity Network. And one of the things that they talk about a lot is that people have fingernails they are not fingernails like people are not fat they have fat and when you Mm -hmm. break it down like that it's like it's not a big deal like it's not a big deal at all no and I like I think it's so confusing too because also like I remember vividly I was in grade eight and we had the the beep test where you like you run back and forth Mm -hmm. across the thing and like I don't know why that was piloted in schools but whatever So that was there. And then I remember we all had to be weighed and measured. And I was like 14. So you're already like at a super vulnerable age. And I remember they had those like blue gymnastic mats set up in like a little like privacy screen so you could get weighed. And then, you know, I remember that was like the first time that I, someone, I weighed like 80 something pounds because I was 14 and someone weighed over a hundred. And like, I remember her feeling so like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one over a hundred, but we're 14 years old. And Mm -hmm. I just remember that being like such a weird thing 
that like to be like, that's when it started that like, why was I even worried about my weight? Like we were in school, like kids, you know, going through puberty. Yeah. And also too, like I played a ton of sports. So I've always registered as obese on the BMI because I'm heavy, like for my size. So like, I just feel like there's all these weird toxic scales of things that they put you on. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like a one size fit all does not work. Anyway, that's a huge ramble. But yeah, there's so many things where I just remember being like, oh, why? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, I think that you've opened up a really good narrative, um, especially for this 99% female following or women following that it's like, you know, take care of yourself first, Uh, wear the shorts, be comfortable, get in the photos. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, I, I think it really resonates with a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of people have have joined your following or um, are a part of your community and enjoy being a part of your community. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit here just because I do love how beautifully curated your page is. Um, Can you share with us a little bit about some of the equipment that you're using in order to film? For sure. Um, Okay. So I remember the first time that I got a hundred likes on a thing and I thought I was famous (laughs) and I told my husband and he bought me a ring light. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> yeah, he was like here you go for your videos like he's always been super cute and supportive like that so <laughs> I have a ring light I don't use it very much though to be honest with you I, I've set up my phone for most of my stuff I have an iPhone 12 and I set it up in my window and I like I had a south-facing window in my last house and I use a south-facing window in this house and you always get nice light in the morning and afternoon Mm-hmm. and I will use the rear camera. So yeah, you can't see what you're doing, but it's a higher quality camera on the other side. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Cause I have the iPhone 12 as well. And I always use like the facing me, but oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. And so I have a little, like a little phone tripod. And then like, if you really need to see what you're doing, you can put a mirror or something behind it. So you can sort of like, see, are you centered or whatever? But that's, that's the boat. That's about as a, a like, I don't even know awesome. how to describe it. Yeah, high tech. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty low tech. It's a, it's a one man show here. One woman show. Um, and then for apps, I'll use iMovie or InShot um, for video stuff. And then I have, like, I've made up a couple of presets myself for photos. And Ooh, I use those on Lightroom. Yeah, and you also have um, a filter. Yeah, I've used yeah. the filter. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's going to expire because like Spark AR is updating or something, so you got to like reprogram your filters. So I don't think it's going to exist for very long. I don't know how to update it yet, um, and maybe I'll learn, but honestly, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was just sort of like a project. I was like, I wonder how. Like, I'm very, I'm very interested in a ton of different things, and I was like, I wonder if I can figure this out. And I did, and now it's been shared over 12 million times. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know it's crazy. Okay, yeah. oh, that's amazing. And talking yeah. about like reach and monetization, and my mind goes in a bunch of different ways because I'm like, oh my gosh, Christy. <laughs> You need to tell this. I know. I just like, I don't even understand enough about like the filter to even go beyond that. Like that was more like, Hey, can I program this? Can I figure it out? And then people like, can you tweak it? I'm like, Nope, I actually don't understand enough about it. Um, but yeah, it was something really cool to learn. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I love everything like content creation and Instagram and analytics and all that. Like I love geeking out about that stuff. So yeah, I'm happy to chat about that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's serving you well, clearly. Thank you. Um, and I I just when people wanted Christy and after this like last, I don't know how long we've been together, like an hour and a half. This mm-hmm. last hour and a half together, like I I get it. I totally get it. It's <laughs> just very easy. You feel like I've known you for a really long time. Um And uh, I'm just so appreciative of your time that you've given to this podcast. And what can we expect from the Curly Love Club? I don't know. I like, I do, I I still love sharing hair content, easy stuff. I like sharing life. Um, I feel like 
you know, there's been sort of a pivot because my life has sort of pivoted in the sense that I'm not sitting there able to do my hair perfectly every day. Like I've got a toddler. I work full time. I have gardening to do and a new house to unpack, which is, you know, sitting in boxes behind me. And, you know, I think honestly, like, like my tagline says, you know, your new internet BFF, big sister, mom, whatever you need right now. And, it's kind of going to be a little bit of those things, like your friend that shows you how to do a hairstyle, your mom that teaches you little life hacks, and your sister for someone that you need for advice. Like mm-hmm. I try to just be all of those things in real life, and I, I'm my real life online. Like at, my family follows me on there. I can't be a different person online. Um, so yeah, I, I guess just sort of organically how life goes. I just, I don't really have a plan. I don't plan out my content. I just sort of share what I feel like or what people are looking for. And again, like I said, I think working full time affords me the stability to have creativity in like other aspects. And so this is like my little creative outlet for things that matter to me. But because there's, I feel like because there's a community now that's quite large. I feel like I have a duty to use the platform for more than just aesthetics mm-hmm. and something that, yeah, I'm, I'm also still learning myself. I don't know. Awesome. Thanks again so much for doing this. I really yeah, appreciate no it. Yeah, no problem.